0: You've heard the saying, people buy with emotions and justify with logic. This is a good strategy to use, but what emotions? What are the tactics that you use to implement this strategy? How do you trigger emotions when you are selling? For that matter, what emotions are you supposed to trigger? There is this gap between the strategy and the tactics that left me wanting. I am a logistical person, and I need a step-by-step process of doing something that will help me put into practice the strategy of making that emotional connection with my prospect. This is what started me on the journey to learn the secrets of selling. It is what led me to discover this first bedrock principle of selling. That principle was that personality is directly linked to values. Once I understood that concept, I discovered the next foundational principle of selling. That is what I'm going to talk about today. It is this, emotions are triggered whenever you interact with someone's values. Let me say that again, because this is a new concept that I have never heard before in the decades that I have been studying sales and marketing. No one, as far as I know of, has ever made the connection before. If someone did, they never said it in the context of selling and persuasion. Here it is again. Emotions are triggered whenever you interact with someone's values. That secret and how to use it on a tactical level is what I'm going to talk about in this episode of the Customer Secrets Podcast. I want you to come away with a new step-by-step approach to making more sales. Hi, I'm Tim Van Milligan of CustomerSecrets.com. I've been studying the emotions of people for a couple of decades trying to figure out how to make that emotional connection that causes people to take an action that we desire from them. In my case, I want to sell products, but these tactics work in all aspects of persuasion, such as getting a date with the person you desire or landing that dream job you've always wanted. They work because they are part of the strategy of triggering the right emotion in another person. What I've learned from others is that there are basically 10 different emotions in humans. Now these are the emotions that you can physically see the people around you having just by observing their facial expressions. When I go through this list of 10 emotions, you'll have a picture of your mind of what each one looks like. So this should be simple for you. The 10 emotions that people feel are joy, anger, sadness, fear, guilt, shame, surprise, disgust, contempt, and embarrassment. I actually think there's an eleventh emotion that people have too, and that is apathy. It is characterized by a lack of a facial expression. It is that neutral expression you have on your face when you're just sitting in traffic, in your car, waiting to go somewhere. I bring up apathy because it is the worst emotional state a person can be in if you are trying to persuade them to do something. They are content and they feel no great urge to move from the rock that they are sitting on. Our job as salespeople is to get people off of that rock. How do we do that? I'm sure you've heard there are two ways to motivate people to do something. As a parent... I've used both ways on my kids to get them to do a chore like cleaning up the room yep the kids are apathetic towards the task of cleaning their room and the two approaches are offering a reward or threatening them with punishment you may have heard this being called the carrot and the stick approach to motivation you can entice them with something good like offering a carrot to a horse to get the horse to walk forward or you can take a stick and whack them on the rump to get them to move. That's why it's called the carrot and the stick approach. In the case of my kids trying to get them to clean the room, you can offer them reward, like going out on a bike ride with dad, which is something they love to do, or giving them the threat of punishment, like giving up their phone for a day. The end result is to try to overcome their apathy and persuade them to clean their room. This is what we do with emotions. They are the triggers we use to get a person out of that state of apathy and to move forward. Some emotions, the offer of a future joy, are carrot approaches to selling. Other emotions, like triggering fear, are to drive them forward from the threat of pain. Any of the 10 emotions can be used to get people to move. I've seen examples of all of them being used in sales pitches to persuade people. The one exception that I would caution against using is the emotion of sadness. It is a debilitating emotion because it causes people to shut down and to look for a dark room to hide in. So how do you trigger someone's emotions? It comes down to this important concept. Emotions are triggered whenever you interact with someone's values. Why do I keep bringing up values? What is so important about them? because every one of those ten basic emotions are linked to a person's values. In other words, you can relate the emotion with an interaction with a value. Let's start with the emotion of anger. How is anger triggered in a person? What happens to cause them to get angry? Anger is triggered when a person feels that something they value has been violated or is under attack. Let me say that again. Anger is triggered when a person feels that something that they value has been violated or is under attack. The value and the emotion are linked together. When the value is attacked, it always triggers the emotion of anger. Let me give you an example. Say you're driving to work in the morning and someone cuts you off by crossing into your lane right in front of your car. You slam on the brakes to avoid colliding with them and immediately your blood boils and you curse them or you give them that one-fingered gesture. Why are you angry? Because you value your life, right? And it was under attack by the recklessness of another person. It was threatened with removal. That's what triggers the anger. Here's another story that I recently read in the news, and this happened recently in Salt Lake City where a student was played a prank on. So I want you to listen to the story and look at it from the perspective of the mother. She's gonna get angry because what she values has been attacked. Shortly after Labor Day, Taylorsville high school student Michael Conrad was the target of a cruel prank in which anonymous tormentors egged his house and left behind a homecoming invitation. I'm sorry for the mess, But how about I make it up to you by taking you to homecoming, the note read. The fake invite was attributed to a teenager who Michael is friends with. His mother, Jennifer Conrad, told the reporter that someone even kissed the paper. Working up the courage to approach his friend in school about her supposed offer, she was sad to deliver the bad news. She said, Michael, I already have a date. I'm so sorry. I had nothing to do with that. She felt bad, his mom recalled. Though Michael brushed off the matter, Jennifer wasn't so easily forgiving. Her son has autism and ADHD, and she said the incident impacted him negatively. I was out for blood. Mama Bear was awoken, Jennifer told the reporter. Word of the cruel stunt spread quickly, and someone reached out to Dexana Talbot, The second I heard about this, I knew I wanted to do something, Dexana said. I automatically broke down into tears because just thinking about the fact that someone would go out of their way to make someone else feel bad is so heartbreaking to me. So what happened was that Dexana went to this kid's school and asked him out in front of everybody. And so it took a terrible situation and turned it into a positive one. What the mother said was kind of interesting. This wasn't a publicity stunt of any kind for her. She just has a tender heart. She really made my son's year. So thank you, she said to Dexana. Did you get the anger trigger from the story? You could hear it when she said, I was out for blood, mama bear was awoken. Whenever you attack someone's values, they will get anger. So what we did here is define how the emotion is triggered just by an interaction with a value. In the case of anger, the interaction that triggered it was an attack on a value. Now let's look at the other nine emotional states and find out what interaction with the value triggers them. As I go through these, you're probably thinking, Tim, you're just stretching things here. You're just trying to make the effect match the cause. To that, I say you might be right. A theory is meant to be tested, because for a theory to be useful, it has to be able to predict the future. And that is precisely what I want you to do, is to test this. I do it, I test it every day with my sales pitches that I make to my prospects, and I hope you do the same thing. I personally found that this theory has a lot of validity because it allows you to predict future outcomes. So please do test this by relating it to your emotional triggers. Here are the nine basic emotions and how they can be related back to the things you value. So values are related to triggers. The next one is enjoyment or happiness. And this is triggered when something that a person values is honored or promoted. Think back to the mama bear story of the autistic boy that was bullied and humiliated by his classmates. What was the feeling of the mother after she found out that DX Anna asked her son to the prom? Listen to what she says. This wasn't a publicity stunt of any kind for her. She's just got a tender heart. She really made my son's year. So thank you, she said. Do you hear the joy in her statement? She is really grateful because what she valued has been honored or promoted, made larger than it really is. And that's what triggers happiness. Now fear is triggered when a person feels that something they value is being threatened or might be threatened in the future. Now this isn't an attack. This is the threat of an attack. For example, in my own life, I always get fearful or worried when my kids get sick because you never know what the outcome of the sickness might be. You know, I'm not talking about like a a cold or a flu, something very common. You know, there's something that's out of the ordinary, something that might be life-threatening. As a parent, your fear is triggered because you don't know the outcome of the illness. It might not be life-threatening but you don't know. But the threat of loss is enough to trigger fear. Guilt is another emotion, but this one is more internal. It is triggered when a person feels they ignored something they value, and by doing so, it caused harm to another person. Now this one is hard to use in persuasion because as I said, it's an internal trigger caused by an awareness of the harm you've caused to someone else. If your prospect doesn't have a high amount of awareness, something similar to empathy, then this trigger might not be very effective because they won't feel a lot of guilt. If you think about it, the end result of the guilt trigger is that you want someone to pay some sort of restitution to atone for the things that they have done wrong. This is sort of like paying indulgences for the sins you've done. The only example that I can think of where this trigger has been used successfully in advertising is the selling of carbon credits. People that put a high value, here's the value, they put a high value on the environment can be shown that they can make up for their pollution by buying carbon credits. But selling carbon credits doesn't work on everyone. They only work on the people that put an exceptionally high value or importance on the environment. So that's why you always have to look at what is the thing that they value. Sadness, the next emotion, is triggered when something of value has been removed from their life. A common example of what triggers sadness is the death of someone that is close to your prospect. The value is the person and death is what caused them to be removed from their life. As I said before, sadness gets people to move, but usually not in a good direction. They remove themselves from society and find that secluded room in order to grieve for the thing of value that was taken from their life. Now, the sadness trigger of getting people to take action works best, not on the people that lost something of value, but on those people around them that have high values of empathy. Think back to the story of the autistic boy that was bullied. Dexana Talbot said of this situation, the second I heard about this, I knew I wanted to do something. I automatically broke down into tears just because thinking about the fact that someone would go out of their way to make someone else feel bad is so heartbreaking to me. So that's the emotion of sadness. She was sad that somebody else was bullied and she was the one that took action, not the mama bear." Using the emotion of sadness as a trigger to take action can be done, but it is more difficult because it requires a higher level of planning. Our next emotion is embarrassment. Embarrassment is triggered in the mind of a person when they realize that something they value has negative attributes. They don't want those attributes being made known because it would lower the significance of that thing of value. Again, we can bring up that example of the autistic boy that was tricked by his classmates to approach the popular girl at his school. The object or the thing he values is himself. We all put a high value on ourselves; It's called self-esteem. But we all have negative traits that we wish to hide. In this case, it was his autism and ADHD. Having those negative traits publicly exposed is what causes embarrassment. I guarantee you he was embarrassed when he found out that he was the object of the prank. Another example of situations that bring embarrassment is a fart let go in public. Again, we value ourselves, but we have this negative attribute in that we secrete foul smells as part of the digestion process. We try to hide our farts from others because we don't want to drive those people away from our presence. In my opinion, the trigger of embarrassment is one of the most powerful triggers there is to get people to take action and there are two reasons for this first as I mentioned people want to hide those negative aspects and they are willing to pay a high price to keep them under wraps there used to be this TV commercial called "Poopery." is a substance in a little spray bottle that you spray into the toilet before you take a dump the purpose of it is to create a thin film on the surface of the water that traps the odor of the excrement underneath the surface and prevents the smells from wafting and making a stench in the room, especially if you're in a public restroom. This is a vivid example to the extent that people will go to cover the flaws of those things that they value. The other reason the embarrassment trigger is so powerful is that embarrassment lasts a lifetime. It's a long-lasting emotion. People always remember the embarrassing situations that they've been in, and they vow never to repeat them. Embarrassment has staying power. It is always just below the surface in the situation, and it doesn't take much to trigger it. Contempt, our next emotion, is triggered when a person discovers that something they value is not also valued by another person. They look down upon that other person because they don't have that same value. And what happens usually is that other person usually mocks the value as being insignificant. It's almost like an attack. The trigger of contempt is often used in politics to get people to go out and vote. It is essentially saying you don't want the other guys to take over the government, do you? because they're gonna implement their value. Contempt is also a just below the surface emotion. It lies in wait because we are all surrounded by people that don't have the same values that we do. Oftentimes, other people call it prejudice. In other words, it's prejudging other people for their values. Like the emotional trigger of sadness is more specific to people that have a high value of empathy, the trigger of contempt works best on those people that have the high judging personality preference because that is exactly what this preference is about. It is about making judgments ahead of time. People with the judging trait don't wait to see the context of a situation before making a decision. The decision has already been made. Anyway, let's move on. Disgust is the next emotion and disgust is triggered when something they value is tainted by an outside source. For example, stepping in a fresh pile of dog poop triggers disgust because the thing of value, your shoe, has been tainted by this brown goo. As a trigger, disgust causes fast action. How fast would you scrape off the dog poo from your shoe if you stepped in it? I bet it was faster than the time that it took me to just ask you that question. Disgust goes hand-in-hand with the trigger of contempt, because people view those things that they they have contempt for as being the dirt that could taint their own purity, their own values. You know, you might hear somebody say, hey, I saw you hanging around with so-and-so yesterday. Doesn't that make you feel like you wanna take a shower? That's kind of what they're trying to trigger that disgust in you. Surprise is our next emotion, surprise is a feeling of mild astonishment or shock caused by something unexpected. Prize gets a lot of attention as a persuasion trigger, and it's often used in advertising in the form of humor. The punchline is often the thing that is the surprise. The problem with surprise as a trigger for action is that the feeling is very short-lived. It is very hard to get someone to take an action when the feeling is gone so quickly. What Surprise is really good at is to gather attention, and the attention is aimed at those things of value. As I record this, there's a TV commercial going on for the Jack in the Box restaurant chain. The spokesperson, Jack, is getting in trouble from the corporate lawyer for telling people to check out my bowls. The way he says it is to imply the viewer is to check out his balls, his testicles. It was funny and quite surprising, at least the first time he said it. But because surprise is so short-lived, they had to repeat the phrase over and over slightly differently each time to make it memorable. How many ways can you say, check out my balls and still be funny? But is it selling product? And that is its downfall. For a surprise to be useful, it has to be relevant to the consumer. When I think of funny commercials that actually drove sales, the one that pops into my mind is the one from the 1980s from the restaurant chain Wendy's. Wendy's had the commercial, Where's the Beef? And it had this old lady, who's a little tiny old lady, really cranky, going up to the counter She gets her hamburger, she opens it up, and there wasn't any beef inside. And she says, where's the beef? And you know, it was a really funny voice. At the time, it really drove a lot of talk and a lot of sales. So the key to using surprise as a trigger is to mock a feature that your competition doesn't have. So I was watching TV commercials this morning on YouTube, trying to find a good example of a funny commercial. And there was this commercial, and it was a play on the movie The Exorcist, where the priest is going into a room, and in the room is this crazy girl. Of course, when he walks in the room, she's attached to the ceiling instead of in her bed. And she's just sliding around the ceiling like you wouldn't believe. And he can't figure it out, you know what is going on here? You know, what kind of exorcism is he gonna have to perform? And then the punchline comes in. And the punchline is the camera pans upstairs to the room above the girl. And it's an old lady pushing a vacuum cleaner back and forth along the floor. And do you get it? The vacuum cleaner is so powerful that it has sucked the girl onto the ceiling. And as she moves it around, the girl is moving around. You can see it and it's funny and it tells you you know, the feature that this vacuum cleaner has that their competition doesn't. It has good sucking power. So the surprise has to be relevant to the customer and it has to mock a feature that your competitors don't have. Again, in the Wendy's commercial, the feature that the competitors didn't have was the size of the patty of beef. So when you use surprise, it is to make that memorable feeling that gets your customers to talk about your product for you so that you don't have to. The last emotional trigger is shame. Shame is triggered when a person feels that they are ignoring or acting inconsistently with something they value. The shame-inducing trigger is very common in advertising to get people to take action. All you have to do is to point out to someone that they aren't living their values. They don't want to be a hypocrite, so they quickly comply with your request. An example might be, you don't want your kids catching the flu from bacteria on the counter, do you? If you say that, what is a parent to do? They run out and buy some disinfecting wipes to kill those germs so that their kids, which they value, won't be harmed by something else, you know, the germs. For me personally, I feel that it is used so often by others that I go out of my way to avoid using it myself when I persuade others. You can get away with using it once for any particular value that someone holds important, but inducing shame too much can come across as judgy and preachy. For example, say a girlfriend knows that her boyfriend is a person that values time to a high degree. The boyfriend is late to a date with the girlfriend. She can just get away with saying, you told me that you were going to be here at 730. Just that statement alone is going to induce the feeling of shame in the boyfriend. So she should leave it there. But what often happens is that she twists the knife in him to make sure that he is never late again. So she says something like, I thought you said that you were always on time for things. Now she's made him aware of his hypocritical ways a second time. When you do it a second time, it is seen as an attack on you. And what does an attack on a value produce? You got it. It always produces the emotion of anger. It also wears people down if it is overused, and they just don't want to be around you. A couple of years ago, I was attending a church where the new pastor was always inadvertently shaming the congregation for not living up to the same Christian values that he espoused. He was a very likable guy, and people would always comment on how funny he was. He used the surprise trigger very well to create a memorable feeling and awareness of him. But unbeknownst to him, he was also inducing the shame trigger. The effect was that within three years, the number of people in the congregation had dwindled down to such a low number that they had to dissolve the church and hand over the keys to the building to another church congregation. The majority of the people just didn't want to hear the same shame message over and over every week. They voted with their feet and left to find a different church where their values were uplifted, which always induces happiness rather than being shamed over and over. You can use the shame trigger multiple times with the same person, but never use the same value twice. That is the great thing about personality. Values come in clusters for each of the four temperaments. It is just not one value that people of the same personality temperament share, but a number of them for each of the four temperaments. In my book, Selling by Personality Type, I list about a dozen values for each of the four personality temperaments. So you can pick out several different ones, several different values to use in any situation. But as I said, I personally try to stay away from the shame trigger. I wanna set myself apart from all the shaming that is going on in the world. You can take that same value and trigger any of the other emotions. So why choose shame every time? Why not honor their values and trigger happiness in them? That's what they want. The idea that I wanted you to come away with today is that we can pick and choose what emotions we want other people to feel. All we need to know is what they value. As I'm wrapping this up here, I wanna give you something else to think about. You will probably hear a statement that goes something like this. It's you that have ultimate control over your emotions. What I've been saying in this episode is the exact opposite of that. Other people control your emotions and it is quite easy to do. All they have to do is to know what you value. Now, does that make you angry? Does the fact that other people can control your emotional state cause your blood to boil? Please forgive me for triggering your anger emotion. I did it on purpose and I am very sorry for it, but I did it to illustrate a point. How did I know it would trigger a twinge of anger or discomfort in you? Because I know you value your freedom. That's the value, freedom. The freedom to choose your own destiny. That value was attacked when I said that other people control your emotional state. And anything that attacks a value triggers anger. I did it to illustrate the point that triggering emotions in others is possible. The good thing is that you can learn to control this power too. In this episode of the Customer Secrets Podcast, we've unpacked a lot of valuable information about emotions. When you realize that an interaction with another person's values will trigger an emotional response, I hope a light bulb will start illuminating in your head. It is this incredibly powerful tactic that you can use to make that emotional connection that you need to make persuading others much easier. Here are the steps. This is a bit generalized, but here's the framework that you can use. Find out what a person values. Number two, decide what emotional reaction you want to induce to get that person to take an action that you want. There are 10 emotions that can be triggered that cause action. Number three, trigger that emotion by expressing their value in the appropriate context. And finally, be there with them as they process their emotion and take the action you want. This information that I've said today is something that I've never said before because I don't want manipulators to hear it. It is very powerful stuff. And I trust that you will use it for good and not evil. When you tell other people about this podcast, I hope you only tell those people that you can trust that will also use it for good. I don't want the manipulators having this. Until the next podcast, I wish you the best success in your business. I'm rooting for you. My name is Tim Van Milligan, and this is the Customer Secrets Podcast.